Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. I want to direct your attention to a passage of Scripture this morning. We'll, we'll take care of our offering a little later. But in Matthew chapter 3, John the Baptist, of course, came preaching in the wilderness, preparing the way of the Lord. And in verse number 11, John the Baptist said, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. You know, it occurred to me not too long ago studying the Bible, and really I wasn't studying uh, along this line. It just came to my attention that, and, and we all know this, that John the Baptist was sent to be a forerunner of Christ, and like he said, and like Jesus said, to prepare the way of the Lord. In other words, to prepare people. For, for the Lord and for what he was coming to do. And, and the thing that, that stood out to me suddenly, and I had never seen this, was that John the Baptist only made two declarations about the Lord Jesus Christ. He only made two declarations. You see it in Matthew right on through the, of the Gospel of John. You see every Gospel, he made two declarations concerning the Lord Jesus. He said... He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world and it's he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit and fire. He's the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world and he is the one who baptizes with the Holy Ghost and fire. And to me, that brought everything into focus. This was, the, this was what Jesus came to do he came to take away the sins of the world and he came to baptize with the Holy Spirit in fire. Amen. Our salvation is not complete until we've been baptized with the Holy Spirit in fire. I'm not saying our, that we're not going to heaven. I don't mean it that way. But I mean the plan of God and the full provision for our lives and what he came to accomplish and what his plan is and his intention is for our lives, we have not uh, received the fullness of what God has for us unless our sins have been washed away. In other words, we've received that redemption from the Lamb of God and we've been baptized with the Holy Spirit in fire. Amen. And uh, something that, that people don't talk about very often is that he said, I will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. People who are baptized with the Holy Spirit should have some fire yes. in their life. Yes. And if you don't have any fire, then if there's a good indication, you need more of the Holy Ghost because when the Holy Ghost comes, he brings fire. Yes. That's where we get the term on fire for God. 
No one's ever been accused of being on fire for God if they never praise God, if they never get excited, if they never show any, any, any fire in their life. If there's no fire in their life, you're not going to say, wow, he's on fire. Look at that dead person. Look at that dead man. He's really on fire. No, you never hear that. It's people who've got the power of the Holy Ghost in them that people say they're on fire. When's the last time somebody said about you? Uh-oh. Uh-oh, I didn't have to go there, did I? When's the last time you've been accused of being on fire for God? John said he comes to baptize with the Holy Spirit and fire. What does it mean to be on fire? Well, it means you're burning up. Think of all the things that fire brings. It, it burns out all the things that are weak, all the things that are fleshly, all the things that are consumable, all the things that don't matter, but the things that are pure, the things that are, that are untouchable by fire is what is, is brought out in fire. Amen. The gold always rises to the top. Amen. God wants to bring fire into our life. Amen. But you have to be hungry for fire. I said you have to be hungry for fire. If you're satisfied with being cold, well, now, preacher, I'm not cold. Well, are you on fire? Are you really on fire for God? Are you really burning with the power of God in your life? Because if you are, it's discernible. You know it and other people know it. And if you're not, well, what stage of coldness are you? Listen, lukewarm's not a good option. Amen. The Lord said, I'd rather you were either hot or cold, but lukewarm makes me sick to my stomach. Yeah. No, God wants us to be, he doesn't want us to be cold, he wants us to be on fire. But you have to be hungry. You have to be hungry for fire. You have to want more. If you don't want more, then you need to begin to seek God about what's wrong with you until you begin to want more. Well, I would seek him, but I don't want to. Well, make yourself do it. Amen. Amen. When you don't feel like seeking God, that's a sure indication you need to do it. When you don't feel anything stirring on the inside, that's a sure indication that it's time to get serious with the things of God and start stirring whatever you have up and let the Spirit of God move on you and take you to another place. Let's not stay where we are. God doesn't want the church to stay where it is. God wants a church that's on fire. Glory to God. The cool and collected church has never brought revival to the world. The cool and sophisticated church 
has never impacted the world for Christ. There has never been a resurgence of godliness and hunger and, and, and an outpouring of, of salvation and fresh revival. It's never come out of a church that is indifferent. And so concerned about style and appearance. Listen, I know what it's like to be embarrassed over the power. I was raised in a Pentecostal church. And we were familiar with the power of God. But I'll, I'll just be honest with you. As a young man, I was embarrassed. I went to my church growing up. Now, when I was real little, uh, you know, I, I thought it was fine. I, I actually thought it was pretty funny. When the saints would start rejoicing, and sh- they called it shouting. We, today, we call shouting, you know, using your voice. Hey, that's a shout, you know. But what we call dancing in the spirit, they called shouting. But when the old saints of God would begin to dance, you know, I, I, when we were real little, we would, we, us little guys, you know, we would just laugh. We thought it was great, you know. But when I got a little older, I started getting more and more embarrassed. I'm just telling you the truth. And, you know, as I, and then as I got, you know, grew, you know, a little older, you know, uh, backslidden most of the time till a revival came. And, uh, you know, I'd get, I'd get saved again. <laughs> but uh, most of the time I was backslidden growing up and I didn't want my friends to know I went to church. Most of my, you know, there are more Baptists than there are people. In the South, there are more Baptists than there are people, I'm telling you. But most of my friends went to Baptist church, churches and the ones that went to church. And as I went into my teenage years, I... Uh, Start associating more and more with people who didn't go to church with all at all. And so I didn't want anybody to know that I went to church, but I especially didn't want anybody to know I went to a Pentecostal church. Back then, Pentecostalism was looked down on. I mean, you were mocked and ridiculed, and, and uh, people said you were crazy, and, uh, and, and some people even believed, you know, that you were of the devil, you had mental problems. I mean, it just, it was a lot of stigma attached to it, and I didn't want anybody to know it. And I, and I won't go into the detail, but I went to great. Uh, links a few times to keep from anybody knowing that I went to a Pentecostal church. I was embarrassed. And uh, when I was 20 years old, I got back into fellowship with the Lord and started going back to church again. My wife and I, she came a little after I did. But uh, we started going back to church and we went back to this Pentecostal church I was raised in. And uh, I was hungry. Oh, I was so hungry for God. And so I, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, spoke with other tongues and and uh, there was a revival going on in our, in our local church. It's good to have Angela's mom with us today. Raise your hand. You better stand up and raise your hand. <laughs> this is Angela's mom. She's here today. We're glad to have her. Glad to have Steve and Christy and, and Ethan and Jared with us today. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. But uh, uh, she'll, she'll, she, she remembers this. There was a revival going on in our church among the young people. And uh, young, young people and young adults... And so I, I got filled with the Holy Ghost and there were several of, of us young men in the church. We were just hungry for God, you know. And, and we were filled with the Holy Spirit. And every now and then we'd have one of those Holy Ghost services. And, and we had uh, one or two people. I, re- I just remember one or two people who would dance in the Holy Ghost. With the Holy Ghost. I remember Brother Jesse Ellington. You remember him? 
old J.W. Ellington, Jesse Ellington, little short man. And uh, if memory, if I remember right, he always sat up front. And, and us young men, we sat close to the front, you know. And, and every now and then when the Holy Ghost would come on Brother Jesse, I mean, he would jump up and he'd just start dancing. He'd start spinning like a top. And he would just spin. I mean, his coattail just stand out straight behind him just like that. I mean, he would just spin and spin and dance and dance. And at that time, you know, I, I'd gotten over being embarrassed. Uh, but I still didn't want anything to do with it. And, and us young men, we would, we would laugh and we'd say, we'd say, yeah, Brother Jesse, boy, Holy Ghost came on Brother Jesse last night and he really, he really got in the spirit, boy. He, he, and and we, we were glad for Brother Jesse. We appreciated Brother Jesse yielding to the spirit. But I still wasn't interested in it. Not that kind of demonstrations of the spirit. I just thought that's just, you know, it's just so undignified. You know, and it's just not me. It's just not me. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but you know, you get hungry for God. And I'm going to tell you, there is a flow of the Spirit. People ask, I'm kind of div- diverging a little bit, but people ask, you know, what is God doing today? I can tell you what God is doing in the church today. He's building strong local churches that know how to flow with the Holy Ghost. Most, listen, what is, what is that's what God is doing. What man is doing is something completely different. In the church world, the big emphasis is and has been now for quite a while on, in, as far as the, the uh, 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 trying to, in other words, I don't know how to say this, the, the emphasis on presenting church, what church is supposed to be like. The big emphasis in the last number of years has been on what can we do to appeal to more people? What can we do to appeal to more people? But the truth is, or should be, what can we do to appeal to God? What can we do when we come together as a church, assembled together, called together by the Lord, what can we do to please God? By our assembling, what, what can we do today? You know, if speaking of today or any time we have, sir, that really that ought to be our aim, to please God, to appeal to God. What does God think? But the church world's going in a completely different direction. That is going to change. I'm just making a prediction. That is going to change. Because the church world right now is going in the direction, what can we do to appeal to men. But it should be, what can we do to appeal to God? But anyway, you know, I, I, I was hungry and, and I was open to that kind of a move of the Spirit, though uh, I was open if God wanted to do that with other people. <laughs> but it just that's just not me. And uh, so you've heard the story before, but I'll tell it again because there's, there's a lot in it. In 1983, I went out to a, a Holy Spirit seminar out at uh, Rama, and I got out there, and and it was it was the first time I had seen real revival break out at Rama, even though the whole Word of Faith movement was, you know, a, a form of revival, a move of God, actual revival like like we're uh, we've tapped into today. It, it broke out there at Rama. 
uh, as far as I'm con- concerned, on during that uh, week of services in 1983. It was in February. And uh, there was about, this was in the old auditorium, the smaller auditorium now, uh, about, I think it seated about 1,800 to 2,000 people, had chairs out in the aisles as close as you could get them. There were people in the overflow rooms. There were people in other buildings watching via, you know, uh, cable, uh, you know, satellite or so closed circuit TV. And the pl- people were coming from everywhere. Just one of those epics, epic uh, moves and meetings where people just supernaturally were showing up from all over the world. And uh, I got there and... and uh, the services, every, every service was different. It was just a wonderful flow of the Spirit. You're talking about revival. We were just so hungry. And one night, everybody was standing up. You know, when I say everybody, virtually everybody in the whole place standing up. And everybody was praising God and shouting praises to the Lord. And, and there were just waves of, of praise, you know, and worship going on. And Now, back in those days charismatics, these were, these were all charismatic people. Charismatics didn't know anything about Pentecostal worship. They didn't know anything about dancing in the spirit or, uh, uh, or any of the other uh, demonstrations that we've talked about around here. Uh, you know, the Bible in the, in the book of Acts, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, the people around them thought they were drunk. So, there, so we can see from that that there are some things that go along with being filled with the Spirit, that evidently, based on that, evidently is like being drunk. Because Peter had to stand up and say, these are not, as, these are not drunk as you suppose. So they supposed they were. So, you know, just speaking with other tongues, being filled with the Spirit and speaking with other tongues in a very calm and, and uh, sedate manner, that's wonderful, but nobody's going to think you're drunk. Nobody's going to think you're drunk if you, you know, speak with other tongues. And I go to airports, you know, when I travel different places around the world and I hear people speaking in all kinds of languages and it never occurs to me they're drunk. So, but anyway, there are some other things that go with fill, being filled with the Spirit. And, uh, but charismatics only knew, as far as dancing, they only knew that little kangaroo hop, that little charismatic hop. Did anybody remember that? This is the day. Remember that? And, that's, and that was, to me, when I came in at 20 years old and the charismatic movement was going on and, and we went to different meetings and people were doing that, I, I could get into that. I thought, that's nice. That's a nice dance. It looks fairly sophisticated, you know. And, uh, and, and, and to me, it brought, it brought a sense of liberty that I needed. It was refreshing and so that's, that's all charismatics knew. Well, we're in this meeting in Tulsa, Oklahoma, February two of, of 83, you know, 2,000 people in this place, and, and people were dancing. They were doing a little kangaroo hop, you know. And Now, Dad Hagen was always Pentecostal. He would always demonstrate in the Spirit. I mean, he would dance in the Holy Ghost and run, and, and uh, he had all kinds of manifestations of the Spirit, you know. And But when Brother Hagen would do it, everybody would go, Woo, glory to God. Everybody would get excited. Brother Hagen did something, you know. But nobody, nobody else in the charismatic movement. So we're in this service one particular night, and I'm standing next to a friend of mine, uh, Pastor David Dunning. He was pastoring in Georgia at the time. And we were standing next to each other. You know how two men will be standing in church, you know, or anywhere and just greet one another, give each other a hug, you know, bless you, brother. 
Well, we were standing side by side. Stand up here for a second, Pastor Greg. And uh, so we're, we're like, let's turn around here so I can see you. We're like this, and so just, just kind of hug my neck. We're like, we're like this. Okay, hold that picture, just like this. Okay, so you can sit down, yep. And, you know, we're, we're kind of doing this sideways hug. I, I wasn't, I was hungry, and we were just caught up in worshiping God and glorifying God, and all the auditorium was just full of praise, people praising, and, and I had this, this pastor friend kind of, you know, hugging him like this, and I, I had never, it had, it, the furthest thing from my mind was dancing. I wasn't thinking about dancing. I wouldn't have thought about dancing. You know, that's not for me. It's the furthest thing from my, not thinking about it. But I, I had this just simple spiritual urge to jump just like this. And I think I jumped maybe twice. But the thing about, here's the thing about responding to the Spirit. I think some of the most powerful things happen when we just instinctively yield without giving a lot of thought or trying to analyze, should I, would I, could I, what if, what will people, you know, just without thinking. I just, we were just, as soon as I, I just felt a, a sense just to jump and I just immediately did. I think I maybe jumped twice. And the third time, suddenly I'm in a cloud. I'm in a cloud just, just come around us. It was the glory of God. I couldn't see out of that cloud. Now I could, I could still see Pastor Dunning. I was still, you know, I was still holding on to him. And I could see him and I could see the back of the chair in front of me. And I could see about that far on either side the whole rest of the auditorium had disappeared to my view because I'm in this cloud. I couldn't see out of it. And I could still hear, of course, the crowd is very loud. People are shouting and rejoicing. Suddenly, they sounded like they were way off somewhere. I could hear them, but it didn't sound like I was there. It sounded like they were in some... So I wasn't unconscious of what was going on around me. I was aware, but I was in this cloud and I'm saying all this, but this, didn't, this happened in just, just like this. I took a couple of jumps, and suddenly I'm in a cloud, and immediately I began dancing in the Holy Ghost, and so did Brother Dunning. And we held on to each other just like this, and both of us dancing in the Holy Ghost. We, weren't, we, we never thought, it never occurred to me, I, I wonder if the Lord's wanting me to dance. I, I didn't... It, I, I didn't uh, respond to I think the, the dance is on me I just found myself dancing to my utter surprise and this pastor and I held on to each other and danced in the Holy Ghost now to me it seemed like just a few moments maybe a minute or two but I, I know this I've learned some things about being in that cloud and a lot of times Time can pass, and it doesn't seem like it's been very long at all. And sometimes somebody on the outside can say, well, that, you know, I, I was watching you, and it was 10 minutes. So I don't know how long it was. It just seemed like just a couple of minutes. And then it just lifted, just like that. It just kind of, not immediately, just kind of dissipated. And, and it was gone. And we looked around. And this is what makes me think it had been a while. 
the chairs, you know, are ganged together like this, these little connecting things. All the chairs were broken loose. Behind us, beside us, not behind us, yeah, behind us and beside us. They were knocked over, out, and people were like this. Their eyes about that big around, like, what in the world are you doing? I said all that to say this. In the Holy Ghost, in the Holy Spirit, there are... There is a dimension. There are places of the supernatural that we need to be very careful about, being critical of. And there are some places in the spirit that if you want to go further in God, if you're hungry for, we say, well, why would the Lord do that? Well, you tell me why David would dance before the Lord with all of his might. Tell me why David would do that. The Bible says David danced before the Lord. Now, we don't dance before the Lord in that sense. We dance in the spirit. But David danced, you know, when the Ark of the Covenant was brought, you know, back to Jerusalem. He danced, the Bible says, with all his might and twirled around. And you know what? His wife, his unbelieving wife, was looking from the palace window and she despised him in her heart. And and then when he came in, she mocked him. She said, well, look at you acting like some kind of fool. And you know what? He said, I'm going to tell you something else. I will be yet more undignified because it was before the Lord. And the Bible says that she was struck with infertility from that day forward. There is, what I'm saying is there is a dimension of the spirit that God wants to take you into and it is real. That isn't something I worked up. It wasn't something I premeditated. It wasn't something I was thinking about. The Spirit of God came on me. And when, when, and when he just came on me and prompted me to just jump a couple of times, I was able to get over in the Spirit. That's why today, I, I, particularly in, in later, you know, uh, just recently, I've, I've determined Anytime the Holy Ghost moves on, on me, I'm going to respond. I'm going to respond to the Holy Ghost. I don't care if it hair lips the devil. I'm going to yield to the Holy Ghost and let him do what he wants to do. Because I tell you what, that brought, what, what did it accomplish? It brought such a measure of freedom, an indescribable spiritual freedom into my life that I had never experienced, I'd never experienced. I, I used to think it was wonderful when Brother Jesse jumped and shouted and ran and danced, but it didn't bring any liberty to me. But I tell you what, when I yielded to the Holy Spirit, it brought a measure of liberty into my life, and I'm still fairly, you know, distinguished and, you know, sophisticated most of the time. But I tell you what, I want, what, I want the Holy Ghost I told you about my grandmother when she was dying of cancer, had been given up to die, wasted down to, you know, 85, 90 pounds, been dismissed by all the doctors, cancer all over her body, just completely consumed with it. No, no hope. She went into a Pentecostal meeting in McClenney, Florida, where her, aunt, where her brother was preaching. And he was having a healing service that night. And she got up in her frail condition and made her way into the healing line. And while she was waiting, 
for hands to be laid on her. She was never prayed for. Now others had prayed for her, but she was not ministered to that night by the laying on of hands. And in that frail condition, just death all over her, the Holy Spirit moved on her and she began to dance in the Holy Ghost. And she danced, she danced, and she danced. And when she finished dancing, she was completely healed of cancer. Completely healed of cancer. Now, it took, a, it took a few months to get her weight back because she had lost so much weight. But from that moment on, she was healed. She started getting her strength back, her everything back. She, all of her, she had had some bodily functions that had been completely eaten up and destroyed. All of those bodily functions returned to normal. She was completely healed that night, dancing under the power of the Holy Ghost. You tell me there's no... There's no benefit. You, you can tell me if you want to, but you can't tell my grandma that or anybody that knew her. And that was, and that was uh, I don't remember what year it was. I was, uh, I, I was so young, I don't remember it. I was just told the story recently by my uh, uncles and aunts. I had only heard a bit of the story growing up. But uh, it, was, it was before I remember it. And she died when I was... 14 or 15, maybe 16 years old, of a heart condition, had nothing to do with cancer. She'd never had cancer again. She, would, she was completely healed, just yielding to the Holy Ghost. Is it the dancing that did it? No, it was yielding to the Spirit. Yielding to the Holy Ghost. Amen. God wants to fill us. I said God wants to fill us as a church, as a, as a body of people. He wants to fill you with the Spirit. He wants to fill me. Listen, I've been baptized with the Holy Spirit, but I need to be filled again and again and again. Paul said, be being filled with the Spirit. That's a, that's a recurring thing. So he wants to fill you and, and me with the Spirit, but he wants to fill us as a church with the Holy Spirit. And when we come in and we're able to to uh, reach a place of unity in the spirit in one accord, whereas as a body, we just throw everything else aside, every concern aside except glorifying him and just responding to the Holy Spirit. I tell you what, miracles beyond anything you can imagine will happen in this place. Glory to God. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I love the quickening of the Holy Spirit. I love it when he moves. And I don't put stuff on. If the Holy Spirit doesn't move on me, I don't, I don't move. But I have purpose in my heart. When he moves, I'm not going to quench him. And how, well, how do you quench him? I don't know. Is it now? Is it good? What do people know? Like I said, just get in the habit of just responding. And then when you're in, in your daily life, and the Holy Spirit just gives you that gentle prompting that you've experienced so many hundred times. Just go to that person. Just do, do this, do that. Bless this person. Say this. You'll just be in such a habit of just responding. And, and those of you that, that witness on a regular basis, you know this. You're far more effective when you don't study it too much. 
sit there and your palms are sweaty and you, you know, your mouth gets all thick with cotton and you're trying to figure out what to say and then you, you just sound foolish when you talk to somebody because they don't even, who are, what are you trying to tell me, you know? But when you can just, just naturally just share with somebody your testimony or just whatever God gives you, it's so powerful. But it comes from responding to the Holy Ghost. Well, this is the laboratory. This is where we learn to do that. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's all stand up. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory, 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 glory. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Hallelujah. Dad Hagen was in a meeting one time in, uh, I think it was in Kansas. I know the pastor, but I'm not sure where he pastors. I think it's in Kansas, but I know him and I see him at meetings every now and then. We talk still today. This happened in his church. They were in church. Brother Hagen was preaching in his church. And while they were just having church and Brother Hagen's ministering, and I don't know what was going on in the service, but uh, obviously the Spirit of God was moving. People in the neighborhood saw the building, the roof of the building on fire, and they called the fire department. That church down there is on fire. So the fire department rolled out, you know, like they do, you know, and all their trucks and come, you know. And when the fire department got there, the whole roof of the church was engulfed in flames. So the firemen start doing what they do, you know, hooking up their hoses and getting all the stuff out, you know. Of course, the chief or whoever's leading, you know, that fire, you know, whoever's in charge, person one or two of them, they run in the building to see, you know, because all the parking lot's full of cars. There's nobody outside. So they're wondering, you know, are the people, you know, have they died of smoke inhalation? What's... And so they came in the lobby. There's nobody in the lobby. And they could hear, you know, there's something going on there. So they threw open the doors of the auditorium, you know, and there's a crowd of people sitting in chairs. And this Texan, you know, old Texan man standing up there preaching. And what I don't know exactly what was going on, but they stood there and looked around. And so anyway, they got people's attention and found out, you know, they, what they were there for. So they had to, of course, go through the church. There's no smoke in the building, no smell of smoke, nothing. So they went all through the church. There's no fire. They went back outside. Now there's no fire on the roof. But people driving by called the fire department, said that church is on fire. And when the fire department got there, they saw it was on fire. And then when they investigated, there was no fire. And this pastor has an affidavit. The fire department uh, wrote him a letter an affidavit saying, this is what happened. We, we had these reports. We, they came in. We came out. We saw fire. We investigated. There was no fire. We went back to the station. Wrote them a letter. And he, he gave Brother Hagen a copy of it. And this pastor's got a copy. And I know the pastor. I tell you what. There's fire. There's fire. On the day of Pentecost, there was Fire. Say, well, why don't we ever see that? Well, just hold on. In these last days, I firmly believe we'll see everything that's ever been seen and more. Amen. 
But I guarantee you, not knowing anything about that crowd, not knowing anything about the service, not knowing anything else, I guarantee you there was a spirit of one accord and unity in that place that night. And the Holy Ghost was able to fill them with his spirit. And sometimes there's a cloud. We see that very often, particularly in the Old Testament, sometimes in the New Testament. Sometimes fire would show up. From sometimes the foundations of the, of the building would shake. People get excited when people start shaking, you know. Wait till the building starts shaking. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. These, these things are coming. These things are coming. It's the will of God. It's the, it's the plan of God. It's in the word of God. Hallelujah. Are you hungry? Are you hungry? Are you hungry? Oh, for that fire, for that power. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.